0: we got to kind of warm up our hearts a little bit so let's try something let's try something uh, there's a little kid's song that happens to be on this topic that goes like this um, i've got that, I've got joy like a fountain I got joy like a fountain I got like a fountain in my soul." I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain in my soul. There's another one that's also happens to be about joy. It must be a theme. How does it go? Got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where down in my heart? Where down in my heart? I- Joy, 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 joy down in my heart, Where down in my heart to stay, Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, and I'm so happy, so very happy, I got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy, I got the love of Jesus in my heart. So uh, joy is actually gritty, it's real, biblical joy. But I want to just point out today that it's not complicated. Yes, indeed, a little kid can experience joy. They might not know to call it joy. It might actually be called happiness, and we'll get to that in a second. But joy and happiness, there's a spectrum, there's a continuum in Scripture. These are the same thing, in a sense. And really, it all just comes down to where is that joy placed. But if our happiness, if our joy is childish, not just childlike, but childish, then it's probably not going to end up being true joy. There's a journey we're going to take today, and I want to look at it, and we're going to talk about Christmas. I'm actually wearing this to kind of to shock us a little bit, maybe, you know, and also I had a mentor tell me once I got to choose between being impressive and memorable. I'm like, well, throw out impressive today. Let's be memorable. Um, I want to talk about a few things today. As we talk about joy, I want to connect some dots. I want to first talk about the connection, then I want to talk about a complication in that. Then I want to talk about... A uh, uh, simplification that we try to do. And then I want to talk about the unction. Unction. Anybody know what that is? It's kind of a Simon Dunn word. Unction. Unction. Try that with me. One, two, three. Unction. Yeah. Simon, what would you say about unction? It's just knowing when you know Just like doing like. Knowing when you know, just doing when you do, and I don't know. That's unction? It's a uh, Unction. So unction is actually this word that refers to the anointing with oil. Anybody know their, their Bible history, their Bible knowledge? Unction is you anoint with oil as a representation of the Holy Spirit. So David, right, when he's singing his shepherd's song, he says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, right? He's talking about this anointing, this kingly anointing. The Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, you have a kingly anointing. We're going to talk about that. But first, I want to start with just the simple thing the connection, okay? The connection is that God is our joy. It's very simple. When we talk about joy, there's a very simple and direct connection to make, which is that God is our joy. What that means is there's not a, another source of joy. If you try to have joy without God, in the end, it's not actually joy, there's not actually happiness apart from God, and this is going to slam right into Christmas a little bit. We'll see how this goes. But uh, joy, there's a direct connection between God and joy. God is the source of it. So as you think about it, if you take it in, if you look at scriptures, you're going to see this all through the scriptures. I'm going to put some scriptures on the screen here today. First one is Psalm 84.2. Just prayerfully, kind of the Lord put this in front of me. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. So he's talking about his soul, which is his emotions, his will, his, his kind of core of his being, right? But, but it's this thinking, feeling part of himself. He says, my soul longs. What's longing? Longing is like when you haven't seen grandma and she's your best friend for a long time. Longing is when you've lost someone, and you long to see them again. Longing is when you have a hope deferred, a heart deferred, a joy deferred. And this guy, this psalmist, as he's writing, full of the Holy Spirit, the unction, he says, my soul longs, yes, faints for the Lord. It's a really good translation. Faints. Faint is when you fall over, right? He says, my soul within me wants God so much that it is faltering within me. Like, I, can, I cannot even stay on my spiritual feet because I just want God so much. And what's the result? Look at this. My heart and flesh sing for joy. Sing for joy to the living God. So evidently, when you want God that much, what starts happening is you start singing for what? Joy. Has anyone, before we even start, has anyone ever experienced this? Man. Guys, this will change you. So, mark you, if you haven't experienced, stop listening to the rest of the sermon and just start praying right now. Get desperate for joy and be like, I want that kind of joy. Because anything less is kind of swimming in the shallow end, and I'm probably never really going to choose Jesus all the way. Or maybe I'll choose him for the sake of my kids. Maybe I'll choose him because I want to get heaven someday. but, But that kind of joy, where like my soul is faltering within me because, oh, I just, and I'm just singing out. And actually, that sing for joy it's uh. remember we went through these Hebrew words? This is the shouting type word. This is making a loud jubilant noise. So I'm faltering. My soul is like, ah, I'm fainting. I just want God so much that it comes out as like a yell. It's like a stub your toe kind of yell. Like you can't stop it. Anybody ever yell the opposite kind of things when you stub your toe? (laughs) Yes. Okay. We got some hands on that one. Okay. We are human. We know how this works. Uh, Let me, I want to show you something. So I got my phone here and I've got a, I've got different Bible apps. One of them is called uh, the ESV Bible app. Um, But you could do this in any Bible app. I'm literally, I open up my Bible here. It's at Genesis 15. That's what I've been doing my devos in in the morning. And I'm going to hit search. Okay. And I'm going to search and I'm going to type in joy. Let's just see what the Bible says about joy. Whoa. There's a lot of stuff going on here. And as I was doing this, I was looking, and I'm like, ooh, let's try the Psalms, because the Psalms is what? It's kind of the prayer book of God's people. Psalms is where we learn to talk to God, learn to be in a conversation. Let's expand that, see how many. Oh, no, here we go. You guys ready for this roller coaster? Here we go. You have, Psalm 4, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. There's more joy in my heart than, than the people who have all the barns full, Right? Psalm 5, let those who take refuge in you rejoice, let them evermore sing for joy. Psalm 16, you make known known to me the path of life, in your presence there is fullness of joy. Psalm 19, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a run man runs his course with joy. Psalm 20, may we shout for joy, there it is, shout for joy, right over our salvation. Uh, Psalm 21. For you make him most blessed forevermore. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. You might be annoyed, but I'm going to do a lot. Just stick with me. I'm trying to make a point here. This is just one book of the Bible. Psalm 27. Now my head shall be lifted up by above my enemies all around me, and I'll offer in his tent songs of joy. Psalm 30. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Psalm 32, be glad in the Lord, Yahweh, and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 33, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Psalm 35, let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say, forevermore great is our Lord. Psalm 43. Uh, then I will go to the altar of my God, to God my exceeding joy. He's actually just getting right to the point. He says, God himself is my exceeding joy. Psalm 45, with joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. Psalm 47, clap your hands, all peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy. Psalm 51, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Psalm 63, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful noises. Psalm 63, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Guys, we're at Psalm 63. Do you know how many psalms there are? 150. 45? 150. Wow. Wow. That's a simple Bible search. You know how much this like leads us into just like broken lives and empty, empty feelings, right? I took this same tool, I opened up a Bible app, and in about two seconds I searched joy. And I just got, how many, 40 out of the first third of the Psalms, 40 scriptures to lead me into the joy of the Lord. So do we have an excuse on this joy thing? We really don't. I mean, I get it, we're human, we're broken, but wow, guys, I, I was planning on reading you all these, but I think my voice will give out. So, joy, as you open this, and this is Psalm, this is Old Testament, every person that was alive at the time of Jesus, waiting for the coming of Jesus, all the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, all the god fears would have known these Psalms, in fact, they would have had a bunch of them memorized. So then Jesus shows up on the scene, and what should the reaction be? joy, you would think. We get that highlighted. Mary, Elizabeth, the shepherds, the wise men, Simeon, Anna, you get these pictures of joy, but it all comes down to this simple process. They recognize their king, even when he's a baby. Like the wise men, somehow they knew coming from the east, coming from like pagan nations, somehow they knew that this star meant that there was a king and they came and they worshiped him. They recognized their king, they received their king, they fell down and worshipped their king. It's what happened to every single one of them. And often then they broke out with joy or with telling others about the joy of Jesus. So recognizing him, receiving him, surrendering in the presence of this king, that's the connection. Did I make it clearly? God is our joy. If you're trying to learn from scripture, which is probably part of why you're sitting here, if you're trying to learn from scripture, God is your joy. You're not going to find joy apart from him. The stolen joys, we know this, right? They don't actually lead to anything good. The joys placed in his hands are forevermore. The joys that you encode in this vertical relationship, right? Like this is part of my walk with God. Like I got two little kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and I know like we're learning to take joy in them and put that joy in the Lord, like praise God for it, right? I could live all my days just in the joy that comes from seeing my little kids praise God and like be full of joy and whatever, right? So the connection is very clear. God is our joy. Here's the complication people and things also make our hearts happy. You guys notice that? Take that out. Like, why did God put that there? Why didn't He make it impossible for us to feel any joy except when we're thinking only about Him? This is a complication. More than a complication. This is a life ruiner. People choose joy all the time. But I want to point out that this is by design. This isn't an accident. Like God designed it this way. He wanted you to be able to take delight and take joy and find happiness, take gladness, find gladness in other people. And even in the things that he gives. Psalm 104 does not say this in a condemning way, but it says really simply, wine gladdens the heart of man. You're like, oh, the Bible says that? I thought that was just me that discovered that in my dorm room or something. You're like, no, no, no. The Bible said this a long time ago, okay? Yes, God acknowledges these things gladden. You're like, oh, but that's like earthly happiness. No, again, the Bible doesn't use different terms. Wine gladdens the heart of man. Remember that psalm, the first one we read, the joy you give me is more than those who have wine and grain in abundance. It's by design. Here's what happens when the design is short-circuited by the fall. We now search for happiness. What do we do? We search for God. No, we search for the fruit of God, happiness. And we try to reproduce, right? Like we try to find ways to reproduce the joys that we found. Hey, I had this, I had this experience as a kid at Christmas. I got to recreate that experience. Yo, I felt this way when I bought this thing. I got to buy more things. Oh, I I felt this way when when this person paid me this sort of attention or I I looked online at some things I shouldn't. I should try to reproduce that feeling, even if it's not good, even if it goes against the living God. Wow, you guys, short circuit, joy, the core of our being, like we're meant to be joy people is actually this complicated thing that can take us totally off the rails. So we search for happiness. We look for practical ways to reproduce it. I would bet I could categorize into one of three areas or these would be three of the main areas that you might seek your joy in, ready? For some of you, it's security, right? Like I try to be happy by making sure things are secure around me, whether it's the promotion or, or the job front, whether it's the 401k, whether it's the pedigree or the legacy, whatever it is, trying to secure my footing, that's how I'll be happy. For some of you, it might actually just be more personal, private, selfish. Any surfers in the room, I'm, I'm learning to surf, and it's, it's a very, it pulls you, it pulls at your pleasure. Any fishermen in the room, I grew up in a family of fishermen, and it's a very private pleasure. You share it with others, but there's a selfishness to it. Again, I'm not condemning any of these things, I'm just pointing out, okay? There's pleasure in the pursuit of peace. I bet this might be some of us. Recreation is how I try to establish my happiness. Leisure. If I don't get my leisure, I am grumpy. At least for me. I don't know about you. For some of you, it might be sort of a wellness, like a, like a mindfulness, right? Like if I can just be more mindful, I could be a more joyful person. Again, not false, but this is what we try to reproduce. For some of you, it might be your health. Health might be the idol. A lot of people find this out late in life. They talk about Jesus for years and then they get to their last years and the hope fails because it turned out it was tied to their health. If God keeps me healthy, I can be happy. For some of it, it's tied to our marriages. You hear that foolish statement, happy wife, happy life. It's a foolish statement because it's not actually true. And you're feeding a lie. You're actually afraid to have a conversation with your wife or your wife is afraid to have a conversation with you, right? Like, It's hard. Marriage is actually hard. I wouldn't say marriage has made me infinitely happier. It has made me holier, mainly by showing me that I'm a selfish human. So some of you, it might be that, might these personal pursuits, right? Like I'm trying to establish something. Some of us, it's actually, it's more altruistic. It's community, right? Like if I can establish the right family setting, the right family culture, the right family sort of vibe, if I can Establish that home front. If I can establish the right group of friends, even my church, right? Like if my church community feels right, like I can be happy. Watch out if the church falls apart, this visible organizational structure that we do, and all of a sudden something breaks and people start walking away. What happens to happiness? We try to find happiness, and when we find it, we try to go back again and again to that well. And God, meanwhile, says, I am the well. My design is that you would find your happiness in me." So here's a simplification that I've heard in the church a lot, right? We're talking about, hey, we got this connection, we got joy, we got God, God is our joy, but now there's this complication that's come in and it's all these horizontal relationships and things, they like throw me off. So, so actually there must be two separate things, right? There's joy and then there's happiness. And that's helpful because joy, we're trying to say is eternal. We're trying to say happiness is temporary, right? But the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible doesn't give us different words for joy and happiness. It doesn't give you the spiritual version and the non-spiritual version. So whenever we play games that the Bible doesn't play, we're probably going to win some stupid prizes from it, right? Here's what I see happening. First of all, on the one side, joy can come this, become this hyper-spiritual thing. This is where I have erred a lot of my life, and I'm still like 99% stuck here. So we're working on it. I'm like, Jason, you want me to preach on joy? This is not going to go well. But uh, here we go. The, uh, the simplification that often happens is we try to put joy against happiness, and we'll say, well, joy is spiritual, right? I don't know if I've ever felt it, but it's spiritual, okay? Happiness, that's this kind of earthly, dirty thing. Oh, that's just a happy, earthly person. They don't actually know what joy is. Actually, someone might know immensely what joy is. They just haven't yoked it to Jesus yet. That's one way to go with it. That's where I err. Here's what I think happens at Christmas. Here's another version, okay? Is that joy is actually like, yes, it's separate from happiness, but joy is just kind of the higher thing. But happiness is still its own good in and of itself. I've probably talked to, I've talked to hundreds of couples, asked them, hey, what do you want for your kids over the years? What are you praying for your kid? And you know what they often pray for? Safety, health, and what? happiness. And maybe for some of them that's meaning like they need salvation and they need to find all their joy in Christ. All my fountains are in you. But often it's just like, no, nah, I, oh, I just need my kid to be happy. Oh, my kid's unhappy. What do I do about that? This is kind of the virtuous version of happy. It's this virtue called happy. It's not joy. It's not from the Holy Spirit, but it's like, at least we feel good, right? Christmas, anybody? Like all the striving for happiness at Christmas, it blows my mind. We do it every year, again and again. The virtuous version of joy, or the virtuous version of happiness, you might call like kind of the blessed life. Here's how how I've heard it said. I pray they can be happy. Oh, Lord, I just pray they could be happy. Oh, Lord, just give my son happiness. Oh, Lord, just pray that you make my wife happy. I pray that my kids someday could grow up and be happy. But wait, Lord, what am I actually asking for? I haven't even thought about this. Am I asking for, like, the right cocktail of chemicals? Is that is that what I want you to give them somehow? Like, if, if their chemicals can be balanced, then they'll feel good? Am I just asking for the right people? Like, maybe if they just have the right friendships or the right spouse, then they'll be happy, even though that is only a temporary thing, and they'll lose those people? Man, am, am I am I asking for the right stuff in their life, the right recreation, the right leisure? Am I asking for maybe some kind of comfort, or maybe just good health for them. Man, Lord, just keep them healthy, because otherwise they're not going to be happy. See how happy, when you separate it from joy, it becomes this other thing that we think is like something that's worth praying for, and God's like, I don't know how you expect me to give them happiness apart from myself. I don't know what you're asking for, but I understand that you're broken, so I'm going to work on the real happiness, yes, but like, Let's get our prayers straight, okay? God's like, what is this happiness thing you speak of? Can we listen to C.S. Lewis on this? I don't want you to think this is just me being kind of a butthead up here. So, ah, here we go. C.S. Lewis, this is mere Christianity. If you're looking for something to read, pick this book up. Actually, first pick up the Advent thing, because that's easy. But then, like, step into this if you want. The moment you have a self at all, there's a possibility of putting yourself first, wanting to be the center, wanting to be God, in fact. That was the sin of Satan, and that was the sin he taught the human race. Some people think the fall of man had something to do with sex, but that is a mistake. What Satan put into the heads of our remote ancestors was the idea that they could be like gods, could set up there on their own as if they had created themselves, could be their own masters, invent, look at this, invent some sort of happiness for themselves outside God apart from God. And out of that hopeless attempt has come nearly all that we call human history. Money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, slavery, Christmas, the long, oops, sorry, the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. I'm going to take some shots at Christmas. We are celebrating Christmas in my house. Don't worry. Like, I'm not throwing out Christmas, but I am trying to peel the covers off. Yeah, Lid loves Christmas. Here we go. Uh, uh, next, next slide. <clears throat> The reason why I can never succeed is this. You ready? We should tune in when we hear those words. Oh, oh, this is why it isn't working. God made us. Invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on gasoline and it would not run properly on anything else. Have you tried it? Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. I'm going to read that again. God made the human machine to run on himself. God made the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn. Oh, can you feel that? Or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it, because it is not there. There is no such thing. Woo! Let's finish the quote. Last verse, or the next slide here. <clears throat> That is the key to history. This isn't just about your life, this is everything. Terrific energy is expended, civilizations are built up, excellent institutions devised, but each time something goes wrong, some fatal flaw always brings the selfish and cruel people to the top, and it all slides back into misery and ruin. Anybody a student of history here? In fact, the machine conks, I love that. It seems to start up all right and it runs a few yards and then it breaks down because they're trying to run on the wrong juice. That is what Satan has done to us humans. We're talking about joy right now? We're talking about Christmas? We are. Christmas is hidden, guys. If you haven't noticed, God hides himself. Anybody notice that? You have to seek him. Christ is hidden. The shepherds found him because the angels told them where to go. The magi found him because they watched those stars. They found him from across, across. They probably traveled months or years to get there. Christmas is hidden, and if you're not going to seek Christ desperately, you won't find Christmas. This is this weird thing about Christmas, and so again, the simplification doesn't help. We can't just make it joy versus happiness. We actually have to ask the question, what the Bible is asking, is your joy in God or is it apart from God? Is your happiness something that is in God and is hidden in Him and seeks Him desperately? Or is it kind of this little cesspool, tide pool that you and I form all the time? We do this all the time. Here's my happiness, right? And I'll get back into the stream every once in a while and get some of that God joy on Sunday morning or in my Bible study. But then I'm going to go back into the tide pool, like my little whirlpool. I'm going to just cook a little bit in the juices of this earth. Here's what I think we need. I promised we'd get there. We've got... The connection. There is complication. We try to simplify it. There's simplification. Here's what we actually need. The unction. Say it with me. Unction. That's the anointing. We need the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, you only get the Holy Spirit if you're desperate for the Holy Spirit. You only get Jesus if you're desperate for Him. He doesn't come to the casual. That's why He says, blessed are the rich. No, He says, blessed are the poor for they shall inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. I know Matthew says poor in spirit. We like that better. But actually Luke translates it, blessed are the poor. And he actually says, woe to the rich. And he's like, and the apostles are like, How are you gonna get, how's anyone going to get saved? He says, well, what's impossible with God is possible. Woe to the rich, not because you have riches, but because you have so much. This is all of us in the U.S. Okay, I'm not talking to anyone in particular. I'm talking to all of us. You live in the U.S., you literally have a catered environment at all times. He says, woe to you. Like this is going to be really hard to get desperate because you have so much that can keep you comfortable in yourself. And guess what is not in yourself? Salvation, the unction. Guess what's not in you? This spirit who comes from without. So here's the thing joy is the fruit of the spirit. That's how scripture describes it. That means it grows from, it develops from the spirit. And you're like, the human spirit, I got one of those. No, 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 not the human spirit. Like if you heard nothing else today, hear this. Joy does not, biblical joy, true joy, the lasting joy, happiness, gladness, whatever you want to call it, does not come from the human spirit. It does not come from within you, the resources you have. It is actually the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in you. It doesn't come from a Yuletide spirit. Like, Christmas isn't the joy producer in and of itself. Christ is. So we might have a whole bunch of idols in how we do Christmas. Like, like I expect Christmas to make me happy, but then I get to heaven and it never was about Jesus, and so it wasn't really Christmas. It was just me or family must. Or hammus or whatever it was. Present mus. And I'm not saying that Christmas is a pagan holiday. Let me just do an aside here. That is such trash. Like I if anyone's teenagers or like anyone's brother-in-law or grandparents, if anyone is being told that Christmas is a pagan holiday, I'll send you one document, like one page thing that'll forever just settle that. Okay? It's not a pagan holiday. It's a legit place to celebrate jesus's birthday but that is what we're doing is celebrating jesus's birthday trees aren't pagan that's not like from that's literally false that there's some from some pagan rituals uh tinsel <clears throat> isn't some demonic thing like christmas is fine guys have fun at christmas but you know what is pagan making something your happiness instead of god that's a profoundly pagan You know what it is, pagan? Trying to search within your spirit or an outside spirit who's not the Holy Spirit for your joy at Christmas or any other time of the year. Ooh, this died. Yeah. Let's just put it simple. This is Orange. Let's just put it simple and say it this way. You don't get an apple without an apple tree. Am I preaching? You don't get an apple without an apple tree. You have to have an apple tree in order to pluck the apple. And maybe you get an apple without an apple tree because you got it at the grocery store, but that's either because they put preservatives on it or it's been a short enough time that it hasn't started to rot yet because it's disconnected from what? The tree. You don't get an apple without an apple tree. Guys, you don't get the fruit of the Spirit without the Holy Spirit. The farther we drift, the more we create these swirls of happiness that don't actually involve Christ at the center, the more you're dancing around a rotten piece of fruit or a counterfeit piece of fruit. And you bite into it and it tastes good for a second. Am I preaching here? You bite into it, it tastes good for a second, but then you end up with death the only point of Christmas that I'm aware of, right? Like, like, I think we lost the recipe at some point, right? Like, we try so hard at Christmas. Oh, we try so hard. Like, everything's gotta be perfect. I got any control people in here. Just trying to control Christmas into being joyful. Anybody? Anybody doing this? I'm still wearing the Santa suit. Come on, like, anybody. But I think we lost the recipe. Right? like i'm trying to get all the ingredients like oh what family's coming this year or isn't or isn't coming oh i hope larry doesn't come you know like get the right ingredients in the basket and then man that ham's got to be perfect or like oh man i got to get the right presents or i'm stressed this year who am i gonna i gotta shop for all the who's stressed about christmas shopping who already did it to resolve the stress before the year gets ruined right like All these ingredients, but you know what? I think we lost the recipe because I look at the recipe, I open up Scripture, and you know what I see? I see there's one ingredient for Christmas. His name is Christ, and He is the King. That's the only ingredient. If I have Christ, I have Christmas. If I have Christ, I have the joy that's being given. Now, like, there is real heartbreak. There are people that we wish were at our meals with us that have gone on passed on to glory, we miss them, we long for that. There is real heartbreak. There are people that are sitting at that table with us that we are not reconciled. There's brokenness, right? But you don't try to fix all of that in order to then be happy. That's the old thing. That's the pagan thing, right? Like I experience joy somehow, and now I figure out how to reproduce it, reproduce it, reproduce it. Christ the King is the ingredient for a happy Christmas. Is He your King? I asked the students this on Wednesday. It's the simplest question ever. Is he your king? You're like, yeah, of course he's my king. I trusted him in 1994 at that Billy Graham crusade. It's like, no, no, no. A king rules your life. That's what a king does. So is he actively ruling? Do you? Oh, man, like even right now, my soul longs. Yes, faints. For the Lord, I sing for joy in my heart and my flesh like I'm not okay in myself. I need something from outside myself, a spirit from outside myself. And it's not the Yule Tide spirit like, have yourself a merry little Christmas. I'm like, ah, that kind of touches on the happiness, but I need more. I'm not content with that. I want more. I want a Holy Spirit, the spirit that is holy, that comes from the throne of God. I want him. In fact, I'm going to sit and I'm going to wait on Him this year. I'm going to spend Advent waiting on Jesus. That—that's what I'm going to do. Why hasn't anyone thought of this before? Advent, you guys, is about waiting on Jesus to prepare your heart to receive Him. Room, you guys, know this. This is like an ancient church tradition. You spend this weeks leading up to Christmas just waiting on Jesus, longing for Him, wanting the coming of the Messiah, wanting the Savior. Oh, if only if I could touch his robe, I would be healed. Oh, if only he would look me in the eyes, I would just be healed. I wouldn't have to care what people say. I wouldn't have to care what's been done to me. Oh, if only if only I could just touch that cross and the blood flows down. If only I could actually just sit at his feet and learn from him. That's unction. That's Christmas. That's Holy Spirit. That's Jesus. That's Christ, the King. Man, would you be my King, Jesus? Because all the other stuff isn't working. All the other stuff isn't working. We're going to sing something together. We're going to practice this, okay? Simon, you don't have to come up. We'll just keep it simple. Um, If you want to have a childlike joy, not a childish, right, but a childlike, one of the best things I think you can do at Christmas, first of all, open up the Gospels and read, follow the trail of breadcrumbs, see what's happening there. But the other thing, guys, is just sing the hymns. Not talking jingle bells. That's not a hymn. It might make you feel good inside. I don't know why. It does. It does. I get it, right? I'm talking the hymns. Like the Christmas hymns are some of the most profound things on the planet. Just take one. Let's just think about this. Joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let's try that again. Joy to the world, the whole world. The Lord has come. What do we do? Let earth receive her King. Is that you? Are you like part of this whole receiving thing? Because that's what creates the church, by the way church is the people who receive them. Let's try one more time. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. You're like, how do I receive him? Come on, him, help me out. There it is. Let every heart prepare him room. You hear that? You hear how simple that is? Prepare him room. Remember what happened? He went to the inns. There was no room. He went through the whole town. That's like his birthright, the king of, town of David. They're like, sorry, all full. We've got other happinesses to attend to. And so they lay him in a manger. And the people who found him were the ones who left the town. They left all the common forms of happiness, and they went out to find him in the stable. And guess what they saw? Salvation. Joy forevermore. Uh, Papa, Father, uh, we pray to you. We're told to call you Abba, which is so intimate, and we don't really have the joy to match. So we're like we're kind of embarrassed. But joy is clear in the Scripture, Lord. Man, let Christmas do its work in us this year. And I know we say this same stuff every year, but we just need help, Lord. And I, I pray that there are people who year after year, season after season, season, have been cultivating this soil, Lord. pray that there are souls, I pray that you bless the souls in here who have been cultivating this year after year to produce the crop, the fruit called joy. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who is addicted to temporary forms of joy, temporary ways, joys apart from you, those little whirlpool, tide pools that we sit in, Lord, start to liberate them, start to set them free with a glimpse of the joy that is in you. I pray that for myself, Lord. Too many cesspools, too many tide pools. I pray you would reveal joy to us this Christmas. Reveal yourself to us. Lord, give us the courage to just wait on you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that the recipe is so simple. We thank you that you have made it so profoundly simple for us. You are our joy. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. I think I should just send you out of here, right? Okay. Can you stand on your feet? Um, let's do something crazy. Why don't you uh, put arms around or hold hands, kind of huddle up with the people around you. No one should be left alone. If someone's on their own, pull them in, pull them in. Okay, we're gonna say this to each other. Repeat after me. The Lord bless you and keep you. Say that to each other. Lord, bless you the Lord make his face shine upon you. That I means smile. That's what he means. He wants to smile at you. The Lord be gracious to you. Lord be gracious to you. This Christmas season, the Lord look upon you with favor. Yes, bless you. And give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys, enjoy. There's Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme. There's Krispy Kreme out there. Come back for the Christmas concerts today. We might sing Jingle Bells. I don't know.